what better, more ludicrous thing is there than pop that just does something completely bonkers? Welcome to Melody AM, the Nordic Music Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Daron. And instead of talking to an artist, today we are taking a slightly different tack and we're focusing more on the songwriters and producers behind some of our favourite songs. We've discussed this amongst ourselves and we think that nowadays it seems like producers and songwriters get a lot more credit than they used to. Yeah, I think it's definitely become much more of a familiar discussion, you know, oh, this was produced by such and such. And the fact that Spotify, for example, now gives you the option to see who are the songwriters and the producers behind, I think, most tracks on Spotify that are available for streaming is brilliant because you can find out a bit more about who the personalities are behind each song. A lot of my favourite pop songs weren't actually written by the people singing them and I guess I have one refinement to Spotify around that is that I'm such a geek about music that I would love to just click on the credit list and find out who wrote a particular song and then be able to deep dive into other stuff in their catalogue and find out what else they've produced and be able to listen to it at the tap of a finger. You're definitely not alone with that request. I think that would be very popular among like-minded individuals like ourselves. And with the person who's the focal point of this episode, you would have a lot of hits because he is one of the most prolific songwriters and producers of the last, gosh, 20 years plus now. And that is Max Martin. rose to prominence with Britney Spears' debut single, Baby One More Time. But actually, he was around before then, so there is a legendary Swedish producer called Dennis Pop, who did sadly die of cancer uh, quite young. But Martin was actually an intern in his Chiron Studios. And he kind of gradually got involved in the songwriting and the producing, and he was working on Ace of Bases' early music. And then his skill and his talent was undeniable and he became a true prodigy and broke out onto his own. In turn, he has nurtured other talent. He works with a stable of other writers to run. Yeah, like Shellback and Ilya Salmanzadeh. He's also collaborated quite extensively with Savan Kotecha. And the facts speak for themselves. He's racked up, I think the current tally is 25 Billboard Hot 100 number one hits. Isn't he right behind Lennon and McCartney? Isn't he the third 
most successful songwriter in the world after those two? I think the statistics don't matter. I think the fact is that he's better than Lennon and McCartney. And I know that we're going to get some more hate mail after this statement, but, you know, facts are facts. Right. He really is behind all of your favourite pop hits. So for this episode, we decided that in order to discuss Max Martin with credibility, we're going to bring in the big guns. And the big guns in this case is none other than music journalist extraordinaire Michael Cragg, who is a big Max Martin fan, so much so that he has started a website called Maxopedia, which is dedicated to Max Martin, and we recommend that you check it out. In the interview, we've spoken to Michael about his favourite Max Martin moments, about whether he thinks that people like Robin and Brittany may work with Max Martin again. And we've also found out from him who he thinks are the best collaborators that Max Martin has worked with in the past. Chris, I wonder if you had it your way, who would you love for Max Martin to collaborate with and create music with? Well, Daron, I'm glad you asked, because actually I have a wish list of two artists who I would love to see him work with. I think he has been in the studio with both of these artists, but he's just, the music has never seen the light of day. Okay. Very frustratingly. And the first one is Zara Larsson, fellow Swede. I think she's got uh, an amazing personality. Mm. She has an amazing talent. She's a brilliant artist, but I feel like she just needs the songs to get her to that next level. And I think Max Martin could really do that for her. I think at the moment, she's just not quite where she should be. I would like that Max Martin magic to be sprinkled over Zara Larsson. And the second artist, I guess, is in a similar position for me, and that's Tinashe. I think she also is just amazingly talented and I love her big pop moments and I just think a Max Martin pop moment could also make her enormous. Okay. For my part, I, and I really should have researched this before uh, saying this, but I believe that Marina Diamandis has not worked with Max yet. I can imagine that that kind of collaboration would be spectacular. I would absolutely love that. I would also love a Kylie collaboration with Max Martin. One of my complaints about Kylie albums is that they are always a bit all over the place. They sound like a collection of just songs from different backgrounds and different producers, which they are. And I would love for Kylie to one day just work with one producer and for the whole album to just be made with one person. And I can see that a collaboration with Max Martin like that would be magic. So that's my wish list. I'm not going to say no to a Kylie Max Martin album, I'm going to be honest. Okay. But what did you think of Max's recent collaboration with Skin, the massive Eurovision phenomenon band? Supermodel. I loved how Skin's track is different to everything that they've done before. And also, I think Max Martin retained their power and their pizzazz. Yeah, but uh, I agree. But uh, as far as I'm aware, it hasn't become... A huge hit for them I, I don't think I haven't seen the numbers I imagine the numbers are still quite high because they are now an internationally successful act so even if it's not a billboard hot 100 number one hit they'll still be streaming quite a lot with it I just like the fact that they've collaborated with Max I like the fact that he's gone and collaborated with this type of act and I love the fact that we heard it on the Eurovision Song Contest and that it was brought to so many homes on television around the world. 
yeah, it was pretty amazing. Let's check out our interview with Michael Craig and be sure to check out melodyam.com forward slash max because it also includes a playlist with a lot of the songs that we're talking to Michael about as well as other songs that Max Martin has either written and or produced. Michael Craig, welcome to Melody AM. It's an absolute honor to have you here on the podcast with us because I've been a fan of your writing for a very long time, partly because you cover so many of the artists that I love and listen to regularly, but mostly it's because of your brilliant sense of humor and the way that you have this encyclopedic knowledge of all things pop that makes everything that you write and all the artists that you interview just really worth the time. So thank you for joining us today. Wow, thank you for that introduction. And it's a pleasure to be here. I don't get asked on many podcasts, so this is a treat. You are, without question, the expert on Swedish songwriting and producing extraordinaire, Max Martin. For those of our listeners who don't know who Max Martin is and why he is important, can you offer your take on this? Well, frankly, he is pop music, basically, since the kind of late 90s. He is the person that's... All of your favourite songs probably have involved Max Martin or someone from his team or are influenced by what Max Martin did in sort of the late 90s with Backstreet Boys, Britney, NSYNC, all of those guys. And to have a career that sort of lasted from then until where we are now, like still working with The Weeknd, still working with Adele, you know, that doesn't happen in pop music. Pop, by its very nature, moves very quickly. And so to be able to sort of keep up with changing trends, to keep up with what radio is saying, to advances in kind of how music is even consumed is extraordinary. And to do it in this way that seems genuinely quite humble, you know, artists that have worked with him have said that he's very open to sort of collaboration. He kind of brings in lots of different people. He's worked with actual, actual songwriters, you know, Taylor Swift, Adele, obviously, The Weeknd, those kind of people. With Britney, some of her best sort of vocal performances are on those early singles or the ones that he did a bit later on with her. There's a reason I think that people go back to him and it's not just because he knows how to make hits, it's because it's joy to work with him and be in that environment with the people that he brings in. And it's for all those reasons that you just said that in 2016, he was recognised in his native country of Sweden by winning the Polar Music Prize, which was awarded to him by the King of Sweden. And that is when you decided to launch Maxopedia, an online resource for anything Max Martin. What was your mission statement for this incredible pop archive? Well, I guess him winning that big award to me was quite funny in a way because the previous winners had been, you know, Bob Dylan, Steve Reich, like all these people that had never done anything as good as Can't Feel My Face or whatever. So I was a bit like, oh, that's interesting. And also quite funny. I quite like that someone from this world where... 10 years ago, people would have... Now pop has moved on slightly more and we're a bit more people are a bit more able to say that they like pop music and that it's it's brilliantly made and that it's credible and all of this. But there was a period not that long ago, actually, maybe it had started before I made the website, but I think people were still quite sniffy about it. And so I thought it was quite funny that he had got this amazing award and quite rightly. And then I thought, well, wouldn't it be funny if I took it even more seriously than that and I made this website because he makes hits and that's what he does I thought it best to focus on his US top 10 singles and I had kind of 
I'd left the UK and I'd moved to LA for a bit and I was in LA sort of not really knowing what I was doing and I was just sort of like not really doing any work and I was just having a nice time and then I came back to London where I live and I was suddenly just still not in the frame of mind of going back doing paid work and so I was like right I'm just going to do this now and start this now and I just sort of learned how to make a not brilliant website. A lot of the entries I did in a really quick burst of sort of creativity I guess that sounds awful but and I just did them really quickly and I sort of set it all up and then I would just release them every so often and and that just allowed me to kind of keep writing but for pleasure because I think maybe I'd fallen a little bit out of love with doing it you know being freelance is my job and so it has to sort of make money but this was like a nice project to do that didn't make me any money and it, I didn't really need it to and I didn't see that it ever would I just wanted to do something that celebrated pop and doing it through Max meant that I could write about all of these pop stars that I loved because he works with all of these pop stars. So you're not you're not writing about Max Martin necessarily, purely you're writing about Ariana Grande and you're writing about Kelly Clarkson and or even just like, you know, bands or acts that aren't as big as that because he's also worked with the Veronicas or those Dancing Days who are this Swedish indie band but one of he had written or co-written one of their songs on one of their albums you know even even those credible indie artists that I was talking about earlier or those snobby music fans would still be like oh but I really love you know No Tears Left to Cry or whatever so it does allow like everyone to enjoy it if they just let themselves enjoy it I guess. got to interview the usually uninterviewable Martin a couple of years ago when he was in the UK for the launch of the musical and Juliet. Did you get the chance to mention Maxipedia to him or, or did you get a sense whether he was already aware of the website? I knew that he was aware of it because when I was in Stockholm, I interviewed Sophia Samajo, who I think this is well known, has written with Max under a pseudonym. So she co-wrote three and she co-wrote another song that I can't remember now, or like a couple here and there. She wrote Robin's uh, Time Machine. Yes, Time Machine. So she has this sort of pseudonym that she writes under. And so she knew Max and knows Max and is friends with him. And, you know, Stockholm is not a very big place. And I think a lot of songwriting people sort of have seen Max wandering around or they kind of know someone that knows someone. But she is friends with him. And so I mentioned to her the website and I asked her if she would, you know, if she ever happened to <laughs> bump into him, like maybe she could mention it. And she said that she had and that he had said he was flattered and confused or something quite funny. It was like something good and also something quite like okay what <laughs> but I liked that I liked that he was aware of it and then when I spoke to him I didn't have very long with him and I had to do him and David West Reed who had done Shit's Creek but had also done Anne Juliet and so they it was both of them together so I just was very focused on like trying to get all my questions out I think maybe when I saw him at the premiere in London I maybe mentioned the website and I think maybe he looked flattered and confused so that was sort of perfect out of all of his songwriting and production collaborators who do you think makes for the stronger outcomes of his discography that's a really good question i would say Ilya. i think i think Ilya has probably gone on 
to do stuff separately from him that I think bears enough of what Max does so brilliantly, but also sort of pushes it forward. You know, Ilya has done Motivation by Normani. You know, Max co-wrote that with him, but he handled the production and there was breathing as well. I think the Ariana Grande one. I mean, obviously Shellback and him had a huge, you know, that streak that they had. Taylor Swift was incredible. I just think maybe Ilya is someone that will break out a bit more and, and carry on. What do you think it is about Martin and perhaps his creative process that has brought him such longevity? I guess his thing is like the song. I know that sounds really awful, but like it is sort of working on the song. It is working on the melodies. It is making sure that all of those things are sort of present and correct. You can kind of follow trends and that's fine, but it's not going to serve you over the long term. So the, the kind of core thing that you have to make sure is right are the songs themselves, you know, and having those little tricks that, I don't know if they're tricks, but those little things that they have in those songs that will sort of stand the test of time. So if it's like a slightly odd lyric that jumps out, if it's, you know, Ariana Grande's Break Free, which doesn't make a huge amount of sense, or Backstreet Boys doesn't, I want it that way, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But having those sort of hooks and those earworms and those things that like keep people sort of intrigued, that's a timeless thing. That's not really a kind of trend thing. And I think he gets the best out of the vocalists, you know, just making them kind of go over and do things. I don't think the best Max Martin songs don't feel like they were just made to sort of be hits. They just became hits because they're so brilliant. And you can end up starting to chase a trend, but then by the time you're ready to release something, that has already passed. So there's not a whole lot of point in doing that, unless you're sort of leading a trend, which is obviously tricky to do in and of itself, then... You just have to focus on kind of marrying the song with the artist and making sure that those two things match. I mean, it's interesting that when The Weeknd wanted to move into pop, he did it via Ariana Grande first, but through Max and his team. And it was interesting that he went to Max's team to do that, because I think Max can take what you have and just turn it up to a level that means that you're a pop star now. Same with Adele. She didn't need to go and work with Max Martin. She was being pretty successful without him but to move into a space that is pop then where else do you go if you're Adele and you're going to Max Martin you want a song that marries the two of those people together perfectly and I think that's what he's good at doing and I kind of wish that she'd released that song as the first single from the latest album because she ended up going with just a ballad which was so expected and so predictable and I think if she'd released that Max Martin collaboration, it would have been just a bit exciting. Oh, Adele is doing something a little bit different. Mm. Especially now when you don't get that many chances to, you, you often don't even get a third single necessarily because of the way streaming is. And so the album is out now. That's kind of it, really. You know, no one's going to, she's going to have to sort of chuck a feature on something or somewhere to get people's excitement back. But I think you're right. If she'd have launched with that single, Can I Get It? Yeah. I'm really bad with titles, that's what it's called. Um, if she'd have started with Can I Get It, I think people would have been like, oh, okay, you know, this is a sort of different move. This is a kind of shock. And then obviously come out with the sort of ballad thing to not scare everyone and so that she'd still get 5 million people buying it or whatever in a week. But I think, you know, what The weekend did is he lent into it. I mean, he sort of did, he did hedge his bets slightly. There was the sort of typical weekend song that came out around the time of Can't Feel My Face. But I think he still was like, right, if I'm going to go and do this, I'm going to do this properly and I'm going to become Michael Jackson via Max Martin. But essentially they're just huge pop songs. 
it's been a 25 plus year career now for Max. Is there a particular period in time or a particular album Max Martin was heavily involved in, which you think represents a career highlight for him? Yeah, I think that's the other thing about him is that he did have a fallow period. He has had periods of stepping away and realizing that maybe things aren't really where he is at that time. There was like a five year period where he didn't have a US top 10 until I think Kelly Clarkson, since you've been gone, there was this sort of weird period. And I think he realized that kind of R&B was coming in, but via sort of Pharrell and Timberland and the Neptunes, and he couldn't really sort of compete with that in that way. So I think he sort of stepped back. And I think once he kind of realized what he could do and what he couldn't do, that's when real peaks happen. So, I mean, you're looking at like Teenage Dream era, Katy Perry, all of those songs that were either number one or like number two, like those huge singles, 1989 by Taylor Swift, where I think that was the kind of perfect coming together of artist and producer and songwriters and everything sort of just clicked into place. And again, that was her leap from this sort of singer-songwriter world into this big pop world. And that balance of like not losing everything that you've already got by jumping into pop, allowing Max and the team to heighten those kind of pop elements. So I think 1989 is the most recent example of him working with a big artist and assisting them in a way that just took them to like another level. And I think that's more recently, that's kind of what he's been doing. I think he's assisting people, taking them to like the next level. If there's nothing he can bring to the table, I think he's happy to step away and step back. You know, Ariana Grande's last album, he's not involved in that at all because, you know, I'm speaking for him, I guess, but like, I assume he felt like she's got her new team of people that maybe she just wants to explore something with that. He's not going to sort of insert himself into that album because it wouldn't make sense for what where she was at that point in her career. I mean, Oops, I Did It Again. Obviously, Baby One More Time is amazing, but Oops, I Did It Again, I think is an incredible example of just taking that kind of late 90s sound to like a whole nother level and being completely ridiculous and having a Titanic themed middle eight for literally no reason. I mean, what better more ludicrous thing is there than pop that just does sort of something completely bonkers. It is one of the most iconic songs and videos of all time, but it has somewhat been ruined for me because I can't not picture Jedward now when I hear it. Oh. I think they I think they did it on the X Factor and they did the bit with the, I got the necklace from the ocean at the end. Oh, yeah. And uh, I feel like I'd erase that from my memory and now you've made that bubble back up. I'm really sorry for bringing it back. <laughs> hasn't all been hits is there any part of his discography which you think was perhaps more of a misfire yes he did a song with James Arthur which I well he did I'm saying he did a song with James Arthur I don't think he did a song that Max had done ended up on a James Arthur album and I don't know why or how that happened he also was on like a Gary Barlow album Shane Ward I mean there are things in his discography that maybe would be surprising where you would be like I don't understand how that happened. And obviously that's just the way the industry works. If some of his team is working with someone and he happens to sort of be wandering around, I'm sure he pops in and does a few tweaks or whatever, and that might be why. I mean, that whole Carolina Liar thing, when he launched a sort of more guitar-y, singer-songwriter-y, bearded sort of thing, that wasn't for me. I ignored that. I just pretended that didn't happen. But having said that, some of the people from that band have gone on to write huge Ariana Grande bangers with him so you know it's fine 
as long as they just stick to doing that and don't reunite as a band. And one of my favourite parts of Maxipedia was your interview with your friend who you had discovered to have been an extra on Britney's You Drive Me Crazy video. Mm. Now, if you had the chance to interview anyone, including Max again, and ask about any Max Martin pop curio or a quandary you've always wondered about, what would it be? Well, there's some debate about obviously Baby One More Time. Because Britney didn't exist as like a pop star when he wrote that. Like, you know, most people that he had written for since done stuff and he's sort of been brought in or... So Baby One More Time, he had obviously written and sort of demoed himself and then it was sent to TLC and they were like, we can't, we don't get it. And then there's a rumour that he, that Robin then recorded it or it was meant for Robin. But I know people that have since interviewed her and she's not sure or she said that that's not true. So I'd like to sort of get to the bottom of that as to who exactly turned down Baby One More Time before Britney ended up with it. Five, the British boy band, they weren't offered it, but they also heard it. And Simon Cowell tried to get it. And Max said no, because I think Britney did have it by that point. So that song has been on quite a journey. So I'd like to try and get to the bottom of that. I would have to ask Max, and I can't imagine he would want to get involved in anything outside of it. And I guess that's the other thing, isn't it? Like there are rumours and things around him because he doesn't really get involved in anything to do with tabloid stuff twitter social media anything that like presents him as bigger than the artist and i think that's quite rare obviously now when producers release albums of with features and they're the main artist or they release singles that have you know even you know stargate had a whole thing of like songs featuring pink or sia or whatever and i don't think max would do that and i don't think that interests him and i think that also makes him quite unique is that he sticks to the songwriting and the producing it'd be like brian higgins releasing an album featuring i don't know nadine yeah keisha exactly that's probably why pop stars like working with him because they would have an ego and they might be like well why am i why am i not the star (laughs) like they should be the star that's the whole point I would love to hear a version of Baby One More Time sung by Robin. Yes. And the rumour is that, or there was a rumour that she was back working with Max again on her new album, or certainly that he had, she had played him what she's been working on and that he liked it. That's interesting because actually we were going to ask you what you thought the chances were of Robin ever working with Max again. And personally, I felt like the chances were very low. I didn't really think she would do that again. So that's quite interesting. Yeah. I don't know if working on Time Machine, I don't know. She wasn't sort of hugely positive about that experience, obviously, back in the 90s. I think there was obviously a lot going on and, you know, God knows what was happening with pressures on sort of young women in the industry at that time from labels. And I don't think she expected to suddenly become like a huge success in America, especially. And then obviously Time Machine was a bit of a strange one just in terms of going back and working with him again. And I I definitely think I read... I think from her, like it's an interview that's out there where she said that she had started working on new music and that Max was either involved or had just heard some of it and was sort of excited by what she was doing. I mean, it probably won't come out until 2028 or whatever. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, that hitting the clubs at some point. And what about Britney? Do you think that if ever she does release music again, she would head back to Max? I could, I wouldn't be shocked purely because... I think she has continued to say sort of nice things about him. And I think he was quite nice experience for her in a career that perhaps hasn't been nice, put it lightly, you know, and she did see, he does seem like someone that she sort of connected with early on. And I think those bonds are often the sort of strongest ones when it's a memory of like a, an early time 
when it was sort of young and new and fresh and she obviously worked with him way before she became a global superstar that everyone sort of thought that they knew so I wouldn't be surprised it just depends on obviously a lot of situations and how much she wants to sort of go back to something that she's done before it would be a shame if they sort of never put like a kind of closing thing on their collaboration just because they have done some pretty I would say nine out of ten songs Max has been working now for you know decades and a lot of things have changed and I was wondering whether you think the effect of things like TikTok, streaming algorithms, people's short attention spans nowadays, if that would have an effect on his songwriting or if he would be like screw that I'm just going to stick to what I do. I can imagine him having chats with labels about those kind of things. I mean it's interesting he sort of he sort of hasn't had a hit in a while in the way that he used to and I think that's a conscious decision I mean that's easy to say because I'm sure you would just say well I've decided not to but it feels like he's not just going to work with anyone anymore and maybe that's because he has worked with so many different people and he has sort of done it all in his career so you would want to try and do things that you hadn't normally done like working with Coldplay for example he hadn't really worked with a band in that they seem like a band who are all involved in the creativity so that would have been a unique situation for him I guess putting BTS on a Coldplay song may have been a a nod to sort of streaming I'm you know whoever's decision that was I'm sure it's a very clever way of making sure that Coldplay is still relevant in 2022 is to get BTS on the song so they can have a number one in America which is exactly what happened so I think those kind of pressures are always going to be there. The label wants a hit. And if you add, if you have to do X to sort of get that, then that's what you do. But you, it's the way that you do it and it's the way that you make it work. And I think even on that song, it kind of does work somehow, even though it shouldn't. And I think that's what you need someone like Max Martin to be able to do is, are we going for a TikTok hit? Okay, well, let's try and make it something that's doable and workable and still fits within what that artist is doing and saying. Often you can't really gauge what will work on TikTok anyway. It could be a song from sort of five years ago that suddenly bubbles up and everyone falls in love with. From what I can tell from what he's releasing or not releasing, I would say he's sort of picking who he works with much more carefully than maybe he ever has before. Michael, you've done an incredible job with Maxipedia, creating a, a fun and varied archive for all Max Martin fans. If you had the time and the energy, is there any other pop personality you'd ever consider embarking on a similar project for? And I feel like we should point out to our listeners that you are wearing an Annie t-shirt at the moment. Annie, perhaps? I mean, Annie would be good. It's just, if you're going to do something like that, I wanted something that would keep growing. And obviously Annie has released music, but she doesn't release music that often. And a lot of songwriters and producers of his ilk either fade away or don't keep having hits. So it would be tricky. You know, someone like Brian Higgins and Xenomania, all of those Girls Aloud songs are incredible. And I would love to sort of write about each and every single one. But it's quite contained still, even though it was a sort of eight year period or whatever. There, there were Sugar Babes moments and there was sort of Mini Viva and there were other things coming in, but it didn't continue much after that. And so, I mean, Girls Aloud, Xenomania, that period, what they did with pop music and to keep having hits in that way 
is fairly extraordinary and I would quite like to sort of dive into that a bit more but you would reach a limit I guess is my point whereas Maxopedia as long as he keeps having hits then Maxopedia exists forever if you ever do do a girls allowed one I will go on the record as saying that I would be a subscriber to that website so okay great I mean, maybe I should just do a podcast because this seems like the way that everyone does things now. And I stupidly was like, I'm going to sit and write 50,000 words of nonsense (laughs) and have, you know, six readers come from wherever and read it. Surely it's many more than that. When it launched, it was successful. (laughs) No, but I, I like, as I say, I never did it for any other reason than to just write really I think you can get into a place where you're just sort of writing because you have to and this was a fun way of like writing about pop music and across so much pop music you know it wasn't just kind of American artists necessarily and also opening up and having as you say like I put a thing out saying if if anyone wanted to write about any of the songs that hadn't made the US top 10 then they could and that has been that has been fun. We did like a sort of Into You by Ariana Grande celebration on an anniversary of its release. And that had eight people all writing about why they love that song so much. And that's actually how I discovered that one of my absolute favorite Sugar Babes song was a Max Martin creation. It was that segment on your website because I had no idea that Unbreakable Heart was, well, had anything to do with him. Mm. And that's almost made made me love the song even more. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, that is quite strange. I think because um, there's a producer that's worked with Robin whose name I've suddenly completely forgotten. It's not Klaas Orlund, is it? Yes, yes. So Klaas worked on that album a lot and I think obviously the Swedish sort of connection, all of that Robin, I think a Max Martin song sort of found its way onto that Sugar Babes album. So there are instances of songs of his wafting over to maybe somewhere where they weren't intended. But it worked out in the end because that song is really amazing. And that album is great in places, but no one ever really talks about it. And it's funny that you mentioned Into You, because uh, before the interview, Deron was asking me what my favourite Max Martin track was. And it's a tough choice, as you, I'm sure you know. But I, I did plump for Into You. And we were wondering what your favourite Max Martin track would be. Well, I thought you might ask. So I have actually written some down. <laughs> some. We said one. <laughs> some. Well, I was writing them and then I was like, I'll stick to five. And then I was like, oh, but hang on. Oh, but hang on. Oh, but hang on. So I started with Britney. Oops, I did it again for reasons that we discussed earlier. And then Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson, which I think, again, going back to my sort of love of people kind of poking at indie based on the strokes. The, the initial idea was, you know, guitar music was back and the strokes. And, and I think him and Dr. Luke were a bit like, where's the chorus? That's where Since You've Been Gone came from. And that song is amazing. And I love Kelly Clarkson. And then Who Knew by Pink, because I love, I love a sort of emotional moment when all of the like melody and all of the choruses and all of those like lovely moments are all there. But then actually the song does actually have a sort of emotional connection. That's when you're sort of at your peak, peak pop. And then Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, just because even its ubiquity can't really destroy that song. And then Into You by Ariana Grande was definitely on there. And then you have all of the, I mean, there are just so many. Taylor Swift. I did struggle. I was I was close to picking Style, but... Uh... Style, I think, is my favourite of the um, Max Taylor Swift ones. And then Ariana, obviously, there's loads of hers. And Katy Perry. There's just too many, basically. There are. Yeah. And Duran, what about you? Well, I have two, uh, but they are by the same artist, so I'm going to allow myself that. And it's not an obvious choice, but I absolutely loved the two songs that he did with Leona Lewis. Uh, The first one was I Got You, and the other one was 
out of my head, I was going to say out of my mind, they are so good. That Leona song is, yeah, is incredible. Yeah. There was talk that that would be the lead single. And I think they all got quite nervous and they changed and it went to a fairly standard kind of happy, very much like Bleeding Love, very much like Halo. And I think everyone was a bit like, we've heard this before. But I think if she'd have launched as like this ridiculous kind of, although maybe, I think maybe actually that was going to be the first single in America. There was some talk about it being a first single in a certain territory to be a bit more like she's changed her sound a bit. That would have been an amazing calling card for that album. Yeah, and also it would have said more about Leona, I think, than Happy did, which was, it's just not as good as Bleeding Love, which is incredible. So, yeah, those moments are the worst when there's a song that's sat there not doing anything. It's like Kylie's The One. I, I, I will forever lament the fact that they went with Two Hearts as the first single instead of The One. I think that would have, that would have been as big as Can't Get You Out of My Head, and I will die on that uh, hill. Yeah. Well, also, it's all about, like, and maybe this is also what Max does well or or the is the timing of it and knowing like when someone sort of needs something that fits with kind of the narrative of what's going on at the time or you know the story of that artist is always very important I think and Kylie coming back from having you know recovering from cancer and this being you know she'd have come out with something that had you know a bit more pensive a bit more sort of like that song and not you know it sounds like gold trap which is fine but like it was a cover and it just didn't really fit with anything that people kind of wanted from her at that time and I think with someone like The Weeknd Can't Feel My Face was exactly what people wanted from him even if he was not sure about it in general like that pop shift people knew that he could be like a pop star and then he just sort of had to do it <laughs> And finally, we want to test your Max Martin knowledge oh God. by seeing if you can guess which of the following five songs was not written and or produced by Max Martin. So, is it one, My Blood by Ellie Golding, two, Break the News by Darren, three, Rude Boy by Leila Kay, four, Carry You Home by James Blunt, or five, Into the Nightlife by Cindy Lauper. That's intriguing because he does have a James Blunt credit. I'm going to give you a clue. So weirdly enough, the song that is not written by Max Martin was written by Mima Stilwell and uh, her Kishmorv partner, whose name I forget, who did Kylie's Two Hearts single that we were talking about a moment ago. Oh, that's weird. So the Cindy Lauper one... I don't know that he did a song with Cindy Lauper, but maybe he did. <laughs> I'm going to say it's the Cindy Lauper one because I don't know. Uh, uh. Oh. So to my surprise, he did that song. That was that was a really gay dance song. We'd expect nothing less. That is a Max Martin song. The one that isn't is actually My Blood by Ellie Goulding. Wow. Yeah. He did so many album tracks on one of those albums that I just assumed that that was one of them. I know he did the James, I know he did James Blunt because that was weird and I just thought I hope no one ever writes about that. To be fair, that was really mean of us to throw that at you unprepared. Thank you so much for taking the time to babble all things Max Martin with Chris and me. We loved having you on. I'm not used to being interviewed, so I just I never stop talking. Well, that makes for a good podcast, so maybe you should consider doing a podcast next. In in typical popster way, I do have something that I'm working on that's coming hashtag soon. 
which I can't talk about yet, uh, but I mean, I can't talk about it, but it does involve lots of pop. So um, yes, watch this space as annoying pop stars say. Particularly sugar babes. Particularly sugar babes, hashtag soon. Yes, MKS, justice for flatline, all of that. Um, but yeah, there is, I am working on something that does involve Naughty's UK pop. Well, you know, as we said, it's it's nice for people to come out with curveballs every now. Yeah, and imagine again. if I was like, I'm actually writing a book about Radiohead. <laughs> your your book on Radiohead would be unique. I feel I can feel that already. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Thank you once again for joining us. Yeah, great talking to you. Thank you. Did I ever tell you, Duron, that Max Martin has a doppelganger in Stockholm? So quite often I'll be walking around the city and there's a van called Max Martin Construction just driving around. Uh, so clearly um, some building company or someone has the same name as him or decided to use the same name as him. Well, if ever I get a refurbishment of my home, that's what I'll be booking. Although really all I want from Max Martin to be building is some uh, amazing pop melodies. Do you know if their builders have beards and long, smooth, silky hair? I've tried to get a glimpse because I'm convinced, you know, it must be him just in this little sideline, but <laughs> I've never had that luck. To be honest, I think he's worth something like £140 million. And I'd be so surprised if we found out that some of that money actually came from a construction business. Builders do charge a lot of money. They're famous for it. <laughs> How titillated were you by the conversation about Robin potentially uh, collaborating with Max again? Well, you know that I'm a Robin stan. So yeah, I would love to see it. I think she, with Honey, she proved that she is her own artist in every single way and she does amazing music. But of course, like the things, the magic those two could conjure up together, it would be it would be a lot of fun to see and i look forward to hearing it in 2035 when she releases her next album <laughs> and you know I, I i was also quite uh taken by michael's suggestion that if britney were to make more music in the future it would make perfect sense for her to come back to max and i can actually you know thinking about it now i can really see that happen and just imagining the magic that that would be, a Britney comeback that involves Max Martin, I think the world hit parades will be set alight. Absolutely, and I don't know, but I just imagine that Britney maybe would feel a bit safe working with Max. I feel like, you know, yeah. she's had a tough time and I imagine Max Martin would be a pair of safe hands who she would probably enjoy working with. So mm. I think it would be good for everyone. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for what is essentially our 11th episode, although we're calling this a bonus episode just because it's rounder and nicer to keep the last episode at 10, and this is a bonus. I don't know, 11 just... I don't know about you, Chris, but I have a tidy mind, and 11 just looks a bit untidy to me in the grand scheme of things. Well, I have a spinal tap mind, so, you know, let's turn it up to 11, Duran. <laughs> Okay, okay, fair enough. We are going to take a, a short summer pause. I will be in Sweden next month in August for Way Out West Festival. So expect to be bombarded by lots of Instagram stories of me fangirling over lots of different acts, which 
Also bears reminding you that our Instagram is at MelodyAMPod. So do give us a follow if you don't already follow us. And we will also reveal what happens next in the Melody AM universe in due course. We would also like to say a really, 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 really big thank you to Minute Taker, who has written, recorded and produced our brilliant theme tune, the theme from Melody AM. And just another reminder, if you check out our website at melodyam.com, you will find all of the episodes we've had so far, as well as playlists for each of the artists that we've interviewed or focused on. So Chris, what's the rest of your summer looking like? Well, my two weeks of holiday starts soon. Um, basically, just as every other Swede goes back to work, I will be finally taking my leave. I've covered for them for the last month. Now it's their turn to cover for me. And it will be quite quiet. I think I'm planning on just, you know, swimming in lakes, picking berries, doing the idyllic Swedish summer life. And then actually, uh, at the end of August, early September, going to Lisbon for a music festival. So I'm super excited for that. I've never been to Lisbon. I've heard amazing things. Oh, and how could I forget? ABBA. I'm seeing ABBA Voyage. Yeah, so see you in London in a few weeks' time. Thank you for checking out Melody AM and we hope to be together with you again very soon. Hey door. Hardy bra. Hold up. 